sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports today. Every single night from 6 to 8 Eastern, you can hear my next guest over on Fantasy Alarm on Satellite Radio. You can follow him on Twitter, at RotoBuzzGuy. And for all of his content and everything going on at Fantasy Alarm, we bring in my good friend Howard Bender to join us, talk a little fantasy, reality, betting, and everything else. Howard, good to see you here on this Wednesday. What's going on? Good to be seen, Craig. We are inching closer and closer to the potential of seasons starting right now. So I'm kind of getting a little jazzed. I mean, August could be the craziest month of, I mean, think about it, sports careers for the last decade. I mean, it's nuts. No, if it all happens, you're looking at the NHL, the NBA, Major League Baseball, and the NFL. I think that we're, uh, you know, sadly, we may not have college football. That's my one uh, big concern right now, especially for you and I and and the work that we do. I I don't know that there'll be... Uh, any contest for us to participate in with college this year. We'll just have to see how that goes. You know, it was an interesting comment, I thought, from the general manager of the Houston Astros a couple of days ago, Howard, saying that uh, the healthiest team may end up being the winningest team in 2020. And I I just thought that that's kind of a stark contrast from where we used to be. And it's interesting because health has always been predominantly important in fantasy, especially when a pitcher of yours has Tommy John surgery or with a hitter, you know, tears his ACL and misses an extended period of time. Do you think that that's legit at this point? Like your fantasy team in 2020 will win based on the health of your team. Do you think that that translates over? I mean, obviously some roster structure and composition is going to be important there as well, but for the most part, yeah, it really does kind of look like that. I mean, we're seeing that, you know, not only are we seeing the rash of uh, of COVID cases through running through MLB right now, uh, but we're also seeing a, uh, you know, there, there are tons that aren't even being reported because of HIPAA laws. So, right. you know, this person's out with a, uh, with a personal issue. This person's out with, uh, you know, a family emergency. Those are the those are the ones where you really have to be careful and you really have to watch it because, you know, as we saw, you know, it hits, hits players differently on a regular basis. I think the worst case that we've seen so far has been Freddie Freeman. And I mean, that really, that waylaid him uh, in a major way. And and he even admitted it. And that was one of the reasons why Nick Markakis uh, actually opted out was when he saw how hard it hit him. So, you know, yeah, when we see certain things like Terry Francona sending home Fran Mil Reyes because the dude's out partying on a regular basis, uh, you know, I mean, he's since apologized and is flying straight. But, I mean, this is really going to come down to uh, if a clubhouse does get infected and you start losing starters, and I mean like marquee starters. If Fred Mil Reyes goes out and parties and he comes back in and he infects Francisco Lindor and Jose Ramirez and Mike Clevenger, where do the Indians go from there? So I think health is going to be absolutely paramount, and those teams – uh, who really have the players who who stick to the health and safety protocols laid out, not just by MLB, but by their teams as well. I think that's going to be key for fantasy. Yeah, sure. And, and look, I, I think that we've pretty much established at this point, if you are restarting a fantasy league uh, or doing it all over again, just wait till next Wednesday because this is just happening. You know, every day is is changing. And I think that's probably the best way to go about it. I'm wondering from a website point of view, from somebody who is basically running uh, fantasy alarm. Are, are you seeing a lot of people diving back into fantasy baseball? Is your content, Howard, on online getting clicks? Are people on your radio show calling in? Or have they pivoted to football? Or maybe that's option B or maybe option C. Is everybody just taking this wait and see approach at this point? Because it's so sad. We've waited four months and we and we literally may have to wait on all of our sports right until the last day to either place a bet or a futures bet or or even play in a fantasy league. Yeah, the the rug has definitely been pulled out from under a lot of people as far as MLB goes because while we do have a start date of the 24th, we actually don't even know if that's going to happen. I mean, you could end up with an, another rash of players opting out. Uh, you could end up being you know looking at a, a whole bunch of like double and, and triple A guys. Uh, manning the rosters to make that happen. So, yeah, you know, I mean, just looking at it from, you know, our content standpoint, uh, number of, you know, downloads. I mean, our draft guide sales for MLB, I mean, that that was already, you know, way sure. back in January and February. It obviously tapered off. 
uh, we still have a, a good spark of interest. We've got a lot of short season strategy articles from Greg Jewett over at Fantasy Alarm where you can tell the clicks are, are you know, starting to steadily increase uh, now here in these last, I'd say probably last, last week and a half uh, to two weeks. And I think that it's going to continue leading up to the season. As far as fantasy leagues go, uh, if you've drafted already, chances are if, if your league hasn't demanded a redraft, uh, that's going to be a full go, and you're and you're going to have to do the best you can and piece together the roster. I don't really see very many drafts happening right now. I've uploaded the. M- yeah. What's that? Neither do I. It's yeah. kind of bizarre. Yeah. I've op- I've I've updated the uh, the MLB cheat sheet over at Fantasy Alarm to account for different strategies now and what you want to do. And uh, no, I mean I would say that that those numbers are definitely tapered off. Uh, to the point where, yeah, I think a lot of it's all pivoting to football. But you even have right now, uh, you know, early sales, you'll see overall can kind of be down, in, you know, across the board. And traffic on the site can be down across the board because you still have a lot of people who are very nervous as to whether or not that NFL season is A, going to start on time or B, even going to play through, you know, the way we want it to. So I think people are kind of hedging right now. But you know, overall, from the participation that I've seen and listening on the radio show, I announced that we were going to do a a listener league auction uh, with uh, with me and Jim Bowden, and okay. uh, and I gave out my email, and my phone sat and buzzed straight through for about forty minutes yesterday uh, with emails for piling football? in for football. Oh, for football. Okay, yeah, yeah. Nobody, that, yeah. <laughs> cricket yeah, for that. That, was, for that baseball. was my next. That was my next comment. So in in the time that we've that we last talked, I I know that one of uh, I would say I mean, a community league or an industry league, and uh, my co-host Joe P is involved in it, is that uh, Scott Fish Bowl. I've explained to people what that is here on the show and not taking it for granted. Okay, there. So you've got the shirt. So you certainly... I got the certainly... whole fall line, dude. Okay. So And, and listen, I, I try to talk to our audience here as if they're watching, of course, for the first time, and, and a lot of people don't know what it is. I've explained it. I'll explain it again. It's essentially a community league where thousands of people are involved in different leagues, and it benefits charity. So um, in, in that one in particular, would you say that you drafted a player or two in July that we're going to see Howard Bender draft in late July and in early August and in late August and in the beginning of September? Was there a player or two that you've determined at this point that is going to be on the Rotobuzz guys team all uh, draft season? Oh, I mean, yeah, I've got I've got my my flag planted in a, in a number of different, uh, Give us a a couple. Of different guys. Um, so, I mean, you know, when I, when I look at it, I've, I, the funny thing is, is that my league drafted so quickly that we're done and we've been done for a while. So I actually have to go back and, and refresh my memory here for a second and, uh, and, and see who I actually. You can't be that strong if you can't give me one guy off the top of your head. Come Nick on. Chubb. All right. Nick Chubb. Thank I can go you. Nick Thank Chubb. You. How about Thank that? I love me some Nick Chubb. I love what's going on with the Cleveland offensive scheme. Kevin Stefanski is pulling uh, everything that he grabbed from, uh, from learned from Gary Kubiak in Minnesota last year. They're using the zone blocking scheme. This is going to, you know, and they massively improved the offensive line. So this is actually going to really help Nick Chubb, in my opinion, uh, from the get-go. And I think that, you know, while everybody assumes that Stefanski is, uh, you know, pass-happy, uh, I think he really picked up a number of things from, uh, you know, from from working with Gary Kubiak, Jordan Howard. That is my guy. I am planting that. You want to know a guy I'm like, planting my flag in? Jordan Howard. I think so many people uh, misunderstand the way Jordan Howard was used in the last two stops in Philadelphia and in in Chicago with Matt Nagy. I mean, you're talking about guys who come off of the Andy Reid coaching tree, who like to rotate in their backs, who like to have pass catching backs. That's what they're doing. Chan Gailey, now in Miami, loves leading with the power run. Does he like the spread offense? Yeah, absolutely. But he does it with the power run uh, to set up the play action downfield. Uh, In his last three seasons prior to his retirement, Chan Gailey's running backs actually ranked in the top 13 each season in uh, in touches from the backfield. So Jordan Howard is a dude I am totally planting my flag into. Uh, And then I dig, you know, listen – Give me some Marvin Jones, very underrated guy. He's on that team. Hunter Renfro, very underrated guy with uh, with Vegas. Those guys are good for the Scott Fishbowl, uh, primarily because, uh, well, Hunter Renfro, because he's that that go-to guy on third down. And 
Scott Fishbowl scores for first down catches. Um, and then Marvin Jones, to me, is just colossally underrated. Everybody focuses on Kenny Galladay. Marvin Jones puts up amazing numbers year after year. Yeah, no, I mean, those are, you know, really good names. Um, you know, Howard, I'm surprised, but your name is Howard, so it kind of adds up there. Howard takes... That's uh, going to be the one that's going to, like, that's going to crush takes, Yeah, soul. look, that's... Uh, They're going to be like, oh, I can't believe Bender was right. Oh! Yeah, no, uh, that's definitely a big one. I mean, you remember you and I, uh, you know, last year, I said, you know, before the year, just pound, pound, pound the table on Kenyon Drake not being in Miami. Guess who... You were the only one that had that one <laughs> the, whole, the whole year, and then he got moved to Arizona. So that was that was interesting. Hopefully, we'll have some more of those gems this year. Um, okay, so before uh, before we go here, let's kind of touch on just what life is like in California for you. I know that lately there have been more, uh, you know, mandates from from basically the people who were in charge there saying that people need to stay indoors more. I know that. With the work that you have to do, you're an indoor type guy, but you're giving us a view that we don't get very often. We're on the East Coast, you're on the West from California. Has life, is life seemed to be changing back to where it was a few months ago, or for you, it doesn't really affect it that much? I mean, it's actually kind of funny. Uh, my wife and I ran to the grocery store actually yesterday afternoon, and you would think that a shelter in place order was just thrown back on California. I mean, it was, it was mad crazy in there. I had to run to the, uh, to the toilet paper and paper towel aisle before. You know, like as soon as we got in there, just to to make sure that we got something, um, they've I think they've they've held back on restaurants again. They've rolled yeah, that back right. where you can't you know do any any outdoor dining anymore even, and that's uh, so that's happening. And I think people are starting to get a little antsy. I think that uh, the shelter in place order could go back to to where it was because you've seen a lot of stuff going on in in Southern California, um, and even in the Central Valley as well, where you've seen. Uh, and, you know, a little bit of a spike in cases there. Uh, I mean, again, for me, yeah, I work from home. I rarely go out. I have no need to go out. I'm chained to the desk 24-7. So, you know, I'm okay. But, yeah, it's uh, it's a little rough out here in uh, in California because, you know, I mean, shutting stuff down, there are a lot of unhappy people in SoCal because it's so beautiful out there. Yeah, no doubt. Well, listen, uh, other than walking the dogs, we want you safe and staying at home anyway. So that's the... Uh definitely important uh howard always great catching up with you here and we look forward to catching up with you again soon maybe on the eve of the 2020 major league baseball season next week so thanks again for coming on really appreciate it always a pleasure craig you know that i love talking to you guys thanks for having me all right howard bender follow him on twitter at rotobuzz guy and all of the work that they do fantasy and reality over at fantasyalarm.com uh, joe pizza back in the house with me coming up after a short break you're watching fantasy sports today right here on sports grid and we'll be back in just two minutes so stay on the grid and stay right there we're right back sportsgrid.com betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real-time odds predictive betting models expert picks and more want the edge then get on the grid sportsgrid.com Welcome back. Thanks again to Howard Bender for coming on the program. It's time now for us to take a look at the FanDuel Sportsbook with the Major League Baseball season opening up next week. We've got one team that we're going to talk about that's going to play opening night. So those of you who are thinking about betting the win total on the Washington Nationals, guess what? you got to get involved between now and one week from today or else you're going to be out. And then we'll take a look at a team in the American League East. Of course, that's facing off against the National League East this year <laughs> as the schedule has a 60 games to it this year. And uh, if you want to go back and see any of the teams that we talked about over-unders on demand, just go back to sportsgrid.com or go to our YouTube channel, and you can see all the different totals that we've discussed over, under, yes, no, pass, maybe, sure. We hit them all. And today, Joe, we're going to actually take two teams that are going to play against each other a little bit here. Mm -hmm. In the Blue Jays and the Nationals, we'll start off today with Toronto. And the Blue Jays' total is 27 and a half. A little bit of a lean toward the over here on the FanDuel Sportsbook minus 116 to win 100. What does that mean for if you're a newbie out there, which you could be? You're risking $116 to win 100. And the under is, of course, the same, 27 and a half. And if it goes under, you stand to make a little bit more money. If that's your choice, you risk $106 to win 100. Uh, Joe, the Blue Jays last season was my big pick on the under. Mm -hmm. 
and it was a team that was an unmitigated disaster up and down. It was just, you know, <clears throat> I, and, and I got to tell you, it was, it was one of those things that I, that I look at sometimes and wonder, is this a team that's going to try and win? And I got to start with that. And then before I look at a total, I didn't think the Blue Jays were going to try and win. And then when they traded Pilar the night before the season started, I said, whoa, okay. I like, I, I'm glad that I made this bet because there's no chance. Now they did call up the kids they called mm-hmm. up Guerrero, they called up Bichette, and they, they called up Kevin Biggio. But it doesn't matter how many good hitting prospects you have if you have no pitching, and the Blue Jays just had no pitching whatsoever from start to finish last year. And then when Giles went down for a little period of time, they couldn't get anybody out in the ninth inning. So nope. it was arguably one of the worst Blue Jays seasons since they came into the league 40 years ago. And, and you have to, I guess, ask yourself the question for this year. Did they do enough to be a 500 team in a 60-game season, or is it going to be a little bit more of the same with some smoke and mirrors based on the free agent that they've signed and making the assumption that Guerrero, Biggio, and Bichette all get to that next level? Because in order for them to win 30 games, Joe, I think everything that I just said has to happen. Yeah, I think everything has to break right. And even though it was a dismal season for the Blue Jays, I think you can look back and say it was not a lost season in the sense of, Everyone's excited if you're a Blue Jay fan about the future. You're excited about Bichette and BGO and Guerrero and Guriel to a certain extent. And you're excited about this draft of Austin Martin. Like, all of a sudden, if you're a Jays fan, things are looking up. And Nate Pearson's not far behind. And that's the guy you want to get in this rotation. That's the guy that, you know, won't show up on the depth chart right away. And if they are good for the first month of this season, that is the guy that they are going to, quote, acquire at the deadline at some point in time, which really means they're going to be bringing these guys up and seeing if they can push through to a playoff. Now, I don't know that's going to be the case, but what they did do is spend a little money, and they spent some money on Hinjin Ryu, who was absolutely fantastic last year during the first half. Yes, he came back down to earth a little bit in the second half, but if you go back and look at the second half of 2018, then 2019 was no surprise because the guy was lights out in the second half of 2018. So this is not a fluke. Ryu is a really good pitcher, and I think Ryu in this environment that he's going to be dropped into – Uh, I think is going to pitch much better than people realize. And I think people have discounted him too much. It's one thing to look at last season and say, well, he probably can't live up to that hype, but it's another thing to dismiss him altogether. And I feel like that's what's going on, generally speaking, in the fantasy community. And I would take Ryu in a redraft because one of the Ryu's hangups is always, can he make 32 starts? Well, guess what? You don't need him to make 32 starts now, okay? Can he be good for half a dozen, uh, for 10 starts or, or 11 starts if he has to? Yeah, I think he can. The rest of this rotation... Look, it's a bunch of serviceables. It's a bunch of five starters. We know this. It's Tanner Roark. It's guys like Chase Anderson. It's guys like Matt Shoemaker, right? These are guys, and Shoemaker's one of those dudes, too. You've seen it, and I've seen it. He goes on stretches where he looks fantastic for a month, and then he has some starts. Well, or or he has some starts that look dreadful, and you end up dropping him. He's that classic guy you pick off the waiver wire after three good starts, and then you put him in your lineup, and he sucks for two, and then you drop him back down, and then all of a sudden he's good again, and it's the worst thing. So you hope. In the 60-game season, you get at least two good cycles before you get one bad. and It's not a flip-flop. But look, I think overall you look at this lineup, if Gurriel is healthy, if Travis Shaw can give you anything, because it's not that long ago Shaw was a guy hitting 25 bombs yeah, every no, year. Yeah, I, I like Shaw a lot. He let me down. Yeah, and this, I mean, Danny Jansen did nothing last year. They were high expectations for him. There's a lot of pieces here, I think, to be excited about. The question is, can they make enough to get you to 500? I still think that's questionable. I think they're going to be more competitive than they were. I think they're going to be a tough out on a nightly basis. But I don't think I would be betting the over anytime soon. And honestly, the number feels about right to me. And I think it's an improvement on last year. Wouldn't you agree? Yeah, I don't I don't think they're going to be that much better. I, I think that in maybe in a 162, they would have had that chance. But their schedule is murder. And they have to play the uh, NL East also. And, and again, you know, some of the points that you made are fair, except for you have if at the beginning of them. And again, You're this, right. is, this is just so many ifs. And, and what would the odds be that Guerrero is better, Biggio is better, uh, Bichette is better, Shaw is better? Guriel is better. I mean, it's just, it's unthinkable. This is well, not it, something that happens in baseball, no. and their pitching isn't strong enough. So no. their pitching I'm is gonna, not strong I'm going to lean under here. I just, I, I, I don't, I see them with 25 wins which is below the 27 and a half. And, and I think that if they were to add a piece or two next year, I, I think they could be mm-hmm. competitive, but it's, it's asking a lot to go from being 30 games under 500 to being 500 in one year. I, I, I don't, I don't, even in 60 games, I don't see it. And, um, 
And, and they, I don't like the pitching at all beyond Ryu. And, and who's to say that Ryu is even going to be worth that contract that they gave him? I'm well, not sure. I'm not worth sure the that contract, Worth the contract, you can understand. I, I, we can have that debate, and I'll probably be on the same side of that with you. He's probably not worth the contract. But not everybody's worth the contract. Sometimes you have to make a statement, and you have to stop the bleeding. You know, I remember when the Nationals signed Jason Worth for all that money, and everyone, why they give Jason Worth a contract of a superstar? He's not. But it was the beginning of changing the identity of the team and trying to lure other free agents and say, hey, we're committed, we're building things but here. But does we're Ryu gonna... do that for another free agent? No, like, but Ryu stops the bleeding of a rotation that but, was But, but if you're the Blue Jays, like, I'm just saying, for, for in the scenario, would you rather have uh, Keuchel for a year or two, or would you rather have Ryu for the next six years? I'd rather have Keuchel. Uh, probably Keuchel on the shorter deal, yeah. I mean, I don't think he's a good long-term investment, Ryu. Probably not, but I don't think Ryu is either. By the way, I made a really nice metaphor there with the bleeding and the hemorrhaging and nothing from you. Nothing. It was a really lovely no, I, It went past me. I said it's more than just stopping. You're stopping the bleeding in a rotation that's hemorrhaging last year. See? Oh. It was really, it was, a, it was a lovely word picture, and you just... You Things don't bring dance, you know? flowers. <laughs> you don't sing me love songs. All right. Uh, over Anymore. to the Washington Nationals we go. Their total is 33 and a half and uh, risking 102 to win 100 over at the FanDuel Sportsbook. The under is minus 120 to win 100. The expectation here is the Nationals are going to be good, as they probably should be, because they have something that essentially no other team has, which is two bona fide aces at the top and if you want to make Corbin the third you you probably can but I still see him more as a one and a half or a two but either way look they have three wait a minute wait a minute hold on a second 14 and 7 325 ERA 238 strikeouts 1.18 whip that's not an ace all right he's an ace fine I mean geez what is what do you want from the guy you're right you're right he can't argue that it's, okay. it's hard. I just don't see him that way but he probably is I think you don't see him that way because he's in the shadow of the other two He's got Maybe a Hall so. of Famer they, ahead they of him. They got three strong pitchers, mm-hmm. and they do lose Rendon. They really didn't replace him, honestly. Um, you know, they tried to piece it together with Castro and Thames, and you know, I mean, I, I don't think that those guys come close to what uh, Rendon was. They're hoping Keyboom is, and they're hoping that three weeks that Keyboom was up is not representative of what he can do this year. And that's a fair assessment. He's a he's a high end prospect for them. Uh, look, uh, Nationals, again, everyone has to play them. They have to play everybody else. I think the East beats up on each other a little bit. Uh, I think that they were one of those teams that were just circumstantial in getting to the World Series. They got hot at the right time. Um, I'm going to say under on, on 33 and a half wins. Yeah, I'm going to say under. I'm going to say that they are a little bit better than a 500 team. But I would tell you that if I had to guess, this goes down either to the last game or games for them to get to this point. I don't see anybody in the NL East winning 40 games and going 40 and 20. I do not see Dodgers are the only team in the NL that I can see that happening. You know, I'm going to lean slightly the over because the pitching is so good. And you're also taking out the variable of the inevitable Steven Strasburg injury over a long season. That's really haunted him his entire career, save two seasons. He's only got two 200 inning seasons to his credit. So when you condense it down to only 60 games, all of a sudden that makes life a little easier for Strasburg. And I think for the Nats too, bullpen's okay. Uh, I have high expectations for Keyboom. I know we're going to talk about him a little later in the show, but guys at AAA who have three, four, five slashes. And I mean, guys were hitting 300 with a 400 OBP and a nearly 500 slugging. His was 498 last year in AAA. Those dudes don't grow on trees. Let's also not forget that Victor Robles is ready to take a step forward. They have possibly, or at least arguably, one of, if not the best player in the National League in Juan Soto. So if Trey Turner, Victor Robles, and Juan Soto play up to their abilities, Keyboom enters in here, and you get enough out of Howie Kendrick and Cabrera and some of these other guys, I don't see how this isn't an over. I think the Nationals are a really good team. And uh, look, I, I'm not a big fan of Thames. I think the Castro signing was decent enough to give you a guy that's going to play every day and, and give you some, uh, you know, at bats there. And Adam Eaton's another one of these guys too, that Adam Eaton over a long season, it's always, you know, waiting for the shooter drop. When's he going to go on the IL? I think this is a team that has a nice uh, combination of youth and veterans. And the one thing they have once again is the three best pitchers in one single rotation in baseball. And this is a tournament and in a tournament style, those guys are going to be leaned on heavily. And I think they are going to be over. I think they're going to do a pretty good job. They'll be a playoff team and have a shot, at least, at defending that championship. I really do. I like the Nats this year in this format. I'd love them to get one more bullpen piece. Maybe there's another veteran they can pick up at the break when somebody jettisons somebody. But 
Juan Soto is about the best player on the planet, as far as I'm concerned. Like, I am just a huge fan of him, and I think he can carry a team on his own. And I think Robles and Trey Turner are ready to take that next step and kind of help that. Yeah, Rendon's a big piece. I, I, I will definitely give you that. It's tough to fill that void. But if everybody, those three other guys, Kiboom, Robles, and Turner, take at least one step forward, I think collectively that's enough to make up for that loss in a shorter season. Maybe not over 162, but I think in 60 it is. Look, it's it, it's definitely possible. I don't love the under here either. But the Nationals, for two months, were the best team in baseball. And for 10 years, there were nothing near that. Maybe mm-hmm. this is it. Maybe this is the beginning of it. It could be. Yeah, and I wouldn't rule it out. But... I'm I'm just I'm feeling a 500 or a little bit better than 500 team. I'm feeling the team that I saw for most of last year, which was a little bit better than uh, than 500. But uh, look, we'll see. Uh, losing Harper and losing Rendon in back-to-back years, I don't know that any team could survive that. But if there is one team that can do it, it's a team with those three pitchers at the top for sure. And um, and look, Hudson and Will Harris was a big addition for them too. Yeah. Bullpen. They they should be. They should be okay. I think they'll have a good season. I just don't think it'll be great. All right, coming up next, it's time to take a look at some uh, potential dark horses in fantasy baseball. Joe's got his little list here of players that he would like to target in redraft fantasy leagues. We'll hit on that next right here on Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. You're watching SportsGrid. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. As we get closer to the start of the baseball season, the fantasy season, the betting season, baseball, basketball, we'll be covering it for you every single day. Now, we're on 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern right here on SportsGrid, but starting Monday which is in less than a week from now. Joe and I will be live every day from noon to 2 p.m. Eastern, coming on right after the morning after. Ariel and Jared have a three-hour edition of their program now. We come on at noon. We're on from noon to 2. You can watch our show just like you're watching it right now, except for we're going to be pushed one hour forward to take you into the lunch hour, and that is coming this Monday right here on Fantasy Sports Today on SportsGrid. We'll also give you a reminder as we close out this week uh, just want to let people out there know, Joe, who are loyal to watching us every day. And if you can't watch us at that time and it's tough because you're doing something in your life, we totally get it, understand it. But just remember, the YouTube channel that we have is fantastic. All of the shows that we have are on demand, video, audio. You can even listen to our show on on iTunes every day as well. So you should still have no issue with watching us on demand if it is live the way you want to watch the show. Tune in at noon Eastern. You can see us starting Monday of next week. Yeah, look, uh, I'm not going to make excuses. Uh, No, you should stop everything else in your life and just watch us from 12 to 2 Eastern every single day. Craig is giving you an out. I am not. So 12 to 2, Mission Pizza Pia, Fancy Sports Today on Sports Grid. You should be watching, not on demand. You can. If you're sick or something, fine. You get a pass. Maybe that's about it. Other than that, nope, I don't want junior soccer game or whatever else is going on. No, you have to make sure you're always watching us because what we're doing here is important stuff. But... The Roku thing is a big deal, too. So you can watch us on your TVs at home now. House having our own channel over there on SportsGrid. So that's very exciting times. And I'm excited, Craig, not just for the new time slot, but also to get fantasy baseball back. How about you? Yeah, but having baseball, having basketball, hockey, all of the sports back at once, I'm really looking forward to. <laughs> Who would have right thought baseball would be back first? After all the, after all the drama yeah. of baseball, all the labor disputes, all the crazy things. They're probably going to play a baseball game before anything else. That is staggering. Too. Next week? Yeah. They're supposed to. We'll I see. said probably. I'm still saying probably. I, hope so. I do yes, hope so. Probably. I think. We hope. Maybe. All right. So uh, for those people who are diving back into fantasy baseball, and, and we would encourage that for sure, you should. We're going to take a look at some potential players that Joe has lined up. Yesterday we talked about some rotisserie leagues. Today we're going to talk about some points league players. And, Joe, I think that before we do this, let's – kind of break this down a little bit further just for the average player 
the difference between a rotisserie baseball league and a points league, because certainly there could be people just flipping around on the Roku app. They find us. They're like, what in the world are they talking about? So let's let's hit on that first before we get into uh, the specifics of the players. Gladly. So your Roto, your 5x5 five five is your season long where you're trying to get your categories and you're trying to get X number of stolen bases and win that category and you get points for that and you get a certain number depending on how many teams you're in your league of winning these categories like batting average and wins or saves or whatnot now points league that's where everything counts especially if you do it right it's also where pitching matters a little bit more because we're going head to head here it's your team versus my team and we're going to come out one of us a winner one of us a loser and i like that i like going out there and being competitive every week setting that lineup to compete and try to win one week at a time. I'm also a big fan of the all-play version of head-to-head points where you play every team every single week. But what's great about the points league is you can really gear it towards, you know, what baseball is or what your vision of fantasy baseball is. So you can make it more pitching heavy. You can make it more offensive heavy. You can make negatives for batter strikeouts and and pitcher walks and whatever you want to do. In the fantasy black book, I put a scoring system that I recommend. I'm a big points league guy. After 20 years of playing points leagues, this is what I find works the best where everybody is kind of right there. Pitching and hitting is the same, but there's always a little nudge towards pitching because of that week-to-week balance. So when I'm looking for players in points leagues, Craig, what I'm looking for most is players that have some pop, players that can get hot, and pitchers that can get me to that W with pretty good K-to-walk ratios. And these are some guys, some lesser-known names, some guys who are probably going post-250 in your drafts, if not even 300 in ADP that I think can help your points league teams. And the first one is Ian Happ of the Chicago Cubs. Now, the Cubs finally hit the lottery with this DH because they finally have Kyle Schwarber signed, sealed, and delivered as a DH, finally, after all these years, where he probably should have been in the first place. Another catcher that we waited on for a long time to hit. Uh, But uh, Ian Happ is a guy last year that, after he got sent down, came back up. He is still um, not even 26 years old. He is still a guy that just two short years ago was at the very top of the Cubs prospect list. And he's shown some life there at the big league level. He's also had a bunch of injuries, but this year he's got free path to at-bats. He had a really good September. Yes, it was September. Yes, you take that with a grain of salt because of call-ups. But I know the player I was watching. I saw the stats at AAA after he got sent down. Whatever it is, I think he's finally turned the corner. This is an important season for him. And I think playing every day for the Cubs is going to be a difference maker. So Ian Happ is one of these guys. I think later on in drafts, you can really pluck out and play every day in your outfield and fantasy. Yeah, I would like to see Hap play uh, for a full season. And I know that two years ago, he started off the season great at a home run on, uh, I think, the first pitch of the season, if I'm not mistaken, on opening day. Look, I'm not really sure what's going on with him with the Cubs the last couple of years. I I fully believed that he would have been moved on to another team by now. And I thought he'd be great. Like, put this guy on Baltimore or Toronto or Detroit. Mm. Just let him play DH, Mm -hmm. second base. But look, the Cubs are stubborn. We saw it, as you mentioned, with Schwarber. If they really like someone, they're not just going to give the guy away, and they haven't with Hap. Um, you, you and they were right the- about Schwarber. Let's be honest. Like oh, they well, well, it worked out that way. Yeah, Finally, and I think it's going to happen play. here too. Yeah, and their yeah, their hands still are tied. not a defensive player, but now that there's a DH, it's the right. perfect guy. He's the perfect guy to have there. But their hands are tied because of Bryant too. They're probably going to have to move on from Chris Bryant next year, and if they do. Maybe. Guys like Happ and Schwarber really have to kind of step up and kind of take that over. And look, there's not a lot of guys. Look, I like them. I, I think that I think that this is a good name. I just I still 897 won't... OPS in 53 games last year. Nah, that's a player I got my eye on for sure. And again, he had seven doubles, 11 home runs. Again, you're looking at doubles. You're looking at triples. You're looking at guys right. who can put the ball in play with authority, and that's what I want. I'm also looking for some pitchers that might be a little sneaky there on two-start weeks. Guys like Anthony Descofani, who I think the Reds are going to score a fair amount of runs. They're going to give him run support. I love the K-to-walk ratio, 167 to 49 last year. Yeah, the ERA is a little high at 389, but in points league, you're not worrying about that. What's more important is the whip, which is 1.20. That's what I'm talking about. This is a guy who can go out there, give you a quality start. So if you get any points, like three points for a quality start, that's great. If he can get you a W, that's another five to ten, depending on your scoring. All of a sudden, Descofani's a guy that can go out there and give you some really good weeks, especially when he has two starts in a week. And I think those Reds are going to be super competitive this year. Yeah, Descofani, a couple of years ago, I thought was going to end up being a solid two or three in the big leagues. He's just had all kinds of injury issues. And then finally came all the way back last mm. year and looked really good. So I, I think that the numbers that he put up in Cincinnati are the best that they're going to get just because that park is tough to pitch in. 
But the Reds are in it for right now. They're going to score some runs. And their bullpen seems to be pretty decent. As long as Descafani can get six innings, seven innings a start, he should pile up some wins. Yeah. Uh, this next guy is another one that doesn't pitch in the most pitcher-friendly environment. But Adrian Hauser last year in 2019 was not bad. 18 starts for the Brewers. He threw 111 innings, had 117 strikeouts. So he's got that K per nine that I'm always looking for, somewhere around nine. I don't like my points league pitchers to go under seven. You go under seven K per nine, you're basically dead to me. Uh, 37 walks, so 117 strikeouts. Again, the whip, 1.24. I'm more concerned with the whip because that's more indicative of can this guy get me to six innings? Can this guy get me a quality start? Can this guy get me points and get me an opportunity for that W? But at the same time, what's that K to walk ratio? Is it more than two to one? The answer is yes. That's a guy I want to look at because most of the time when it's more than two to one, these guys can really manage their innings much better, pitch deeper into games and also stay out of trouble. And I think Hauser's one of these guys. Everyone's talking about Woodruff. People talking about Lindblom. Hauser kind of gets lost in the shuffle there. And I think that's a good thing from an ADP perspective. Yeah, people ignore the Brewer starters, Hauser, Woodruff. I'm not really sure why. Um, they definitely have shown that they have talent. If they could ever put full seasons together, I think Hauser, Woodruff next year, 2021, could be major players on that team. So this is a really, I, I think, proving ground for Hauser in particular over mm -hmm. the next couple of months. And if he does prove himself, I think that he could skyrocket into his value in 2021. Just because we're talking about Woodruff, is that a guy that you're buying into? Because, I mean, I was certainly impressed last year. I had a lot of shares of Brandon Woodruff. I was waiting for the shoe to drop, but then he got hurt. So I wasn't able to trade him. Is, do you believe in Woodruff? Uh yeah, I mean, to a degree, I, I think that Hauser, Woodruff, and most of the high-end pitching that the Brewers have are all twos and threes in the big leagues. That's like fair. They don't, have a, they don't have a real ace, mm -hmm. but I, I think that we'll have a much better idea after this season ends. All right, well, two more names on the list here. Again, it's a little pitcher-heavy because of the format of a points league. Uh, it's Joey Lucchese of the San Diego Padres, another guy. You look at the strikeout-to-walk ratio, it's 3-1. to one. 158 strikeouts last year, just 56 walks. What's that whip? 1.22, and I think the Padres are going to be a pretty good team. Uh, also like them defensively as well, something people don't talk about. It's a really good defensive infield. Uh, and then number five here is Sam Hilliard, who, look, he's going to play half his games in Colorado when he's playing. He's probably going to get more at-bats now that there's that DH available and Murphy sliding over there. It's opened up some playing time. And this is another guy, 27 games last year, had 1,000 OPS. Yeah, sure, it's inflated a little bit because he's in Colorado, but I don't care. The points count the same. You don't get dinged or danged or anything else yes. just because you're playing in Colorado. You get those points regardless of wherever you get them, my friend. So there you go. I worked in the ding and the dang. Got it in Look, it doesn't matter who's in Colorado. You want to just take a shot. You know, He's going you at about you can't 3 count on them playing overall right now. Look, it doesn't matter who the name is. As long as the jersey says Rockies on the front, you know that yeah. there's and no Ian Desmond either now. So there's really a lot less yeah, guys there. No, there's, there's there's a there's definitely a chance for him to play for sure. I mean, even with Blackman back, I don't, I don't think it makes a difference. Well, Blackman's uh, got his job already. Like Desmond and Murphy were the two guys that I think would have squeezed Hilliard, but now I think it's wide open for him. And look, if he doesn't hit, he doesn't hit. They'll move on to Tappy or somebody else. But I don't think they're going to be putting Brandon Rogers in the outfield anytime soon. I so, don't think so. Yeah. <laughs> you're kind of in a bad spot. And Lucchese well, is another look, one. Garrett Atkins, sexy names. Uh, yeah. Brad Hoff, Spielborgs, oh. like wh whoever they they all Garrett have Atkins. potential, and they all have big years too. Yeah. In Colorado, Hilliard is probably in that conversation of not their best prospect, not their worst, somewhere in the middle. But if the guy gets playing time and he hits a little bit, he's going to be worthy of taking in a fantasy league. And I think that there's definitely a chance for him to do that. Okay, coming up next, our long-lost rosters from drafts that we did in March for baseball have now been uncovered like artifacts when you're digging them up in the ground, really. I mean, <laughs> it, it, is, it has been so long. Yep. I still haven't even looked at my roster. I'm scared to, but I guess I have to eventually. Uh, Joe has taken a look at his roster. We'll see if it looks any different, better, or worse as we take a deeper dive into the 2020 baseball season. Joe Pizapia, Craig Mish. And we will be back right after this, right here on Fantasy Sports Today on Sports Grid. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
And welcome back, Fantasy Sports Today. Craig and Joe here with you. We'll be right back here on the show tomorrow. We hit the midweek point of the program, of course, and close out the week with a little NASCAR, a little baseball, and then we're back with you on the show again on Monday. But for today, we wrap up the show with a little roster construction in fantasy, if I can get that out right. We, we're going to take a look at Joe's labor team for our, uh, 2020. He drafted this team in February. You may be <laughs> saying, what is labor? And you probably would be fair by asking that question. It's a league called the League of Alternative Baseball Reality. These drafts were conducted in person and online in February and March of this year. Yes, mm -hmm. it was that long ago when these drafts were. I actually drove to, I think it was St. Petersburg, made the four-hour drive and drafted a team that I haven't looked at since, so I'm going to have to dive into it. But lucky Tomorrow, us, this is you, my friend, tomorrow. Oh, no. I, oh yeah, I want to How see, am I going to find it? Where do I find it? Oh, my, on RT Sports. <laughs> I don't I even know. I'm not even sure. Well, that's your job tomorrow. Your job tomorrow find is to my labor team. I want to see your labor team. I showed you mine, now you show me yours. I don't know who I have. Well, this is what it's about. We have to look at it now because Fab starts this weekend. And if we have to drop some guys... What do these rosters look like? So we, I, I'm, I dusted off mine. I am actually pretty happy with it. I want to see yours. I want to see you uh, and what you All did right, back I'll in February or March it. or whatever. I'll have it is. to dig it up somewhere. All well, right, you better so, find it. <laughs> so, so who are you happiest about and who are right. you unhappiest about? All right. Well, first of all, everybody knows me, two catcher league, Mr. Blackbook. I hate two catcher league, so I just punt catcher. So I just took Austin Romine and I took Alfaro. Yeah, 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 catcher, whatever. I'm not spending any draft capital whatsoever. So we'll start with the infield here. Again, this is a 15-team <clears throat> Roto League format, your standard 5x5, five five, just to set the stage here. 15 teams. We're talking Paul Spore, Rudy Gamble. This is a really tough league. Like, these are some really of the best of the best yeah, players in this. Really so, you know, I, I was actually very happy with this team. I think I had the seventh overall pick, if I remember correctly. Uh, okay. My first pick overall was Garrett Cole. But let's look at the infield here. Jose Abreu at first. Marcus Simeon at shortstop. Josh Donaldson at third base. Cesar Hernandez at second base. Carter Keboom and Justin Smoke as the middle and corner infielders. Now, obviously, there's some risk there with the quarter and middle infield guys. But I think those guys are going to play. Jose Abreu is a rock. I know exactly, no matter how many games Jose Abreu plays, I know exactly who he is. He hits at home. He hits on the road. He hits lefties. He hits righties. He hits everywhere all the time. He's like green eggs and ham. He's the best, okay? Uh, then you got Marcus Simeon and Josh Donaldson, who are coming off two fantastic campaigns, who are set up, I think, even in a small season right here to have a pretty good season. And I'm looking so far at this infield. Yeah, Cesar Hernandez, maybe a lesser player, but at the same time, how many guys out there have that 15-15 profile? Yeah, in 60 games, can he hit me six home runs and steal me seven bases or something like that? I think the answer is yes, and another guy that's going to play every day. So, Craig Mish, your thoughts on this infield for a 60-game season. What do you think? Well, let me start with this. I'm going to go back to uh, what the general manager of the Houston Astros said oh, a couple no. days ago. I think the healthiest team okay. uh, wins yes, in reality. Yes, we know that. I think, the, I think the healthiest team wins in fantasy. And what I do is I take a look at your team start to finish, and I only see one player that's of any kind of significance that Today. is in, in jeopardy <laughs> of the season. So it looks to me like your uh, your hitting is fine. I think your hitting is fine. I think your pitching is is questionable. But really, but, but that's not your fault. But it's part of it. Really? Oh, well, all right. Let's do the rest of this hitting here. As the utility spot, this Cole Calhoun, which obviously is a little question mark there. I assume not that's anymore. Your he's back. You're good. He's back, but still, eh, let's question him until we see him really back playing and bunch and all Your that stuff. You never know. Fine. You have no hitting is fine. Fine. I think it's more than fine. I think the pitching is outstanding. Look, here's the hitting. I, I got both true. Calhouns. I got Willie and Cole Calhoun. I've cornered the market on Calhouns. Uh, then I got Bryce Harper, Brett Gardner, Cattell Marte, and Kyle Schwarber. I think that's a pretty good grouping right there. And, you know, I, I know we talk about, like, trying to, you know, have guys break out in your offense. Carter Keboom is one of those guys. Keboom, again, I, I mentioned in the last segment, this is a guy whose slash last year AAA was absolutely tremendous. And on the bench of this is another guy that we just talked about, Ian Happ who had a really good season last year in September in AAA. Uh, I've also got Austin Riley on the bench as well. So offense is going to be good. Craig doesn't like my pitching. I don't know how, because it starts with the best pitcher in baseball, Garrett Cole. So if I'm starting with Garrett Cole as the one, and then my number two is Lucas Giolito, and then my number three is Corey Kluber and or Montas, then I'm throwing in McCullers, 
I understand Eduardo Rodriguez is sick right now, but I still got Rick Porcello. I still got Spencer Howard. I've still got some bodies yeah, there. a lot of questionable guys there. Yeah, questionable. It's a 15-team league. What kind of pitching do you think you can end up with here? Well, I, look, I, I think that you're – it would be stupid to argue anything against Garrett Cole. Okay. Uh, I, I think Giolito is who we saw last year. I, I'm not 100% certain of that. I think he is. And you haven't shown me a name that I'm confident. You don't like Frankie Montas? You don't like – you could, don't. He could be good. I'm not positive on that. I'll tell you what. I'm going to show you privately the rest of the draft. You tell me you've got a better pitching staff because I don't think one exists. 15-team okay. league. Uh, it's, it's, it's dicey. It, it, it is. It's definitely fair to, to right. assume that. And, and look, Eduardo Rodriguez. You don't come out of draft. Look, Joe, you don't ever. You personally don't ever come out of a draft saying not I true. Suck. No, not true. Last last year, labor. I actually publicly said I thought. Not well, like I don't. I, I guess we didn't do the show yeah. last. Year. No, we weren't doing the show together last February. But last February, I was uh, on the Blackwood podcast the the following week, and I said, look, I had the one spot with Trout, and I feel like I took way too many chances on things, and uh, so I took a chance on. Bryant worked out. Took a chance on Will Myers. It didn't work out. It was it was very 50-50. And I was dead last last year, and that's why this draft I was so focused because I did not want to be last uh, in, in the well, next. I mean, league. look, the team Sorry. look the team looks good. I just think that that there there are some question marks with the starters for me. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, look, I'm higher on Lance McCullers than you. But you are. can't be we perfect. No. But I again, I think if we start with Cole and Giolito as your one two, that's a pretty good one too in a 15 team league. That's not bad. Oh, look. Is, it a, is it a guarantee that Lucas Giolito is who he was last year? No, but I think it's a guarantee that Corey Kluber is not who he was last year. So I think that I counts. I wouldn't say that either. I would not say that. I, I would. I don't think he is a guy who pitched to a 5.89 ERA. You look at Corey Kluber last year, and Corey Kluber was a 5.8 ERA. And then you look at the Listen, year before, 2.89. I mean, some guys, just their careers just end. But he wasn't healthy last year. I mean, I don't think Corey Kluber's career. Uh, look, I'm— I would not say, is he going to be better than 5.80? Yes. If it was 5.2, would it shock me? No. I, I just, I'm not sure on Kluber. I'm not sure on McCullers. I'm not sure. I, I like Frankie Montas a lot. Look, he looked fantastic last year. Uh. But am I positive that that's who he is? I am not. If Eduardo Rodriguez was healthy and he was in camp, we wouldn't be having this conversation. It's not your fault. It's just he was your three. I mean, he was your rock three right there. 200 innings, 200 strikeouts, 10 wins, lock it Yeah, in. but I don't need 200 of anything now. I need guys who can be good in a lightning in a bottle. McCullers can be. I already saw Montas do it last year. I just think that there's uh, okay. there's a lot of lightning here. That's all. And look, this is a good discussion. And this is the whole point of like looking at players and evaluating them. I am very high on Frankie Montas because when he came back last year, he was the exact guy he picked up right where he left off. I mean, he hadn't missed a beat. Dismissing, despite yeah, missing all those games, he's literally never been healthy, and so True. and and so if he is and he makes nine starts, then this is exactly what you're going to see. I might make a hot take here, and the hot take is I think I actually might more than I'm looking at this pitching staff. Maybe just maybe I like this team more in a 60 game season than 162 right now with this pitching. Maybe maybe so because that because a lot of the guys you have have questions and maybe they don't in two months. Do you think we see Spencer Howard make six starts this year for the Phillies? No. no. How do they get away with that bullpen? I think he makes three or four, though. Okay. I was going to say, like, I'm trying to fig figure out where the Phillies oh, are going. I, I, right I, now, I, Anthony Swarzak, I think, is going to be the closer. I think that's the name that they're throwing out there. Yeah, exactly. It's the no, same they'll, face. They'll I make just... a trade. They'll make a trade. Well, look, th that's fine and dandy, but like, I'm trying to look, and the Phillies need to figure out something to help that bullpen. And I think the better way to help that bullpen is to get some better starting pitching in there. And Spencer Howard might be that guy. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I think he'll make his debut, but I would not see him for the whole year. Remember okay. uh, Houston last year, as good as they were. And I'm not saying that Philly is going to be as good as Houston, but did Houston really need to get Zach Greinke? And they did. Well, they had um, to get Zach Greinke because they knew they weren't going to get Cole. I think that's what that well, was. They, they could have done that now. I mean, they could have done that now. They didn't have to wait. Yeah, they, but I'm I mean, sorry, they could have waited. And so I think when Philly gets to the deadline, you're mm -hmm. going to see them add a, a starting pitcher from another club. Okay, that's fair and, enough. Uh, and all we would have to do is take a look at the one-year mercenary starters on the teams that we don't think are going to compete. And then that's – and fill in the blank with one of those guys. And I think I, and, and you know, I'm not sure. That, I think they do it. 
who are some of those free agent names? I'm kind of curious. Do you remember offhand who's out there that might be available? Because it's a dicey 2021 with the CBA. And on top of that, you know, to answer that other looming question you put out there with Granke, uh, I think you make that move for Granke because then you're getting him for not one but two postseasons. You wanted Granke for the postseason more than anything to make that run, and they did. I, I have to I, – I, on the spot, I can't, unfortunately. Yeah, I, can, I can't either. And I, I would you know, have sometimes to, I would I have to get into it. But, I mean, you look – uh, you know, Baltimore does not have any of those guys. Isn't Boyd a name that probably would be moved this year? That's one name that could be out there for sure with Detroit. I could see that right. guy, but I don't know if he's, does he move the needle? Maybe, maybe and it's maybe, tough. Maybe, maybe he does. Um, do the, do the uh, Johnny Cueto? Uh, looks like James Paxton, but he's not getting moved. No, but Cueto Robbie Ray. I'm looking at the names no, out he won't there. Be dealt. You right, got to look exactly. at the bad teams. No, no, I'm just I'm literally going down pitchers, you know, like that's that's what I'm looking at right now. And that's that's the tricky thing, because, you know, from the pitching standpoint, it does not look like doesn't look like a great grouping. <laughs> I mean, no, you know, but, but the teams that finish below 500 are willing to move those guys. Well, nobody's taking on some largest 19 million dollars. No, I no think we agree on that. Um, Odorizzi's too important. Bauer's too important to where he is. Mike Leak is already hurt. I mean, this is it's a tough list. It's either guys on good. Trevor teams, Williams. Uh, haven't gotten that low yet, Porcello, but I don't know if the Mets are sellers necessarily, especially no. to the Phillies. Keep naming uh, names. I, dude, I'm just trying to name the starting pitchers. I know, the but Barclays. you gotta find you gotta find names that could be moved because they're on bad teams. Yeah, but that you're giving me teams well. that you, you're giving me guys that are all the Reds may chase the postseason here. Right, know? and I'm telling you that doesn't match up. I'm telling you, I can't find pitchers on bubble teams. I gave you Boyd. I gave you Trevor Williams. That's two. Boyd's not a free agent, but yes. I know, but they could trade him. Miami could trade Arania. That's another one. I don't think Arania is really a guy. I mean, is he better than Eflin or Vasquez? He's a rotation guy. I can't find anybody on Baltimore, that's for sure. I don't think Martin Perez helps anybody. No. You know, it's it's well, tough. There, there, there aren't a lot of guys. That's true. The we pitching market looking at it right now is pretty tough. So keep that in mind, too, when you're looking at these teams. You're like, who are they going to acquire? You know, it might not happen, especially on the pitching side. Could be. All right. That will do it for our show today. Uh, thank you so much for everybody who tuned in. Thanks for Howard Bender's appearance here on the show today. Thank you to Brett, Danny, Ryan for putting our program together. Joe and I will be right back here tomorrow, 11 a.m. Eastern, for another edition of our show here on Fantasy Sports Today. It'll be the 16th of July, so of course we'll cover all the birthdays, things that happen in this day in sports. For my co-host, Joe Pizzapia, I'm Craig Mish. I hope you enjoy the rest of your night. Stay on the grid here on Sports Grid. Scott Burrell coming up a little bit later going coast to coast. Have a great night, everybody. Talk to you tomorrow. See ya. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.